Welcome again, episode nine, the Hound Hall podcast. I've got a really special guest this week. This is a guy who not only had his own problems and weight to bear, climbed the mountain and actually created pure magic. This chap's called Stephen James and he started an amazing charity called All Call Signs. This is a military-based setup that not only looks after people serving, but when they come out, it's mental health, it's well-being, it's mindfulness, and above all, it's kindness, and quickly. If like the other podcasts, you've liked and subscribed, then please share the love, tell friends, spread the word, keep giving your support, because you know what, so far it's been amazing, and we want that to keep coming. And especially when we've got guys like this on and we want to up profiles and tell a story. So if all else is done, why not sit back, relax, and enjoy? It's the smell of the woods that I like. Yeah. And the fact that everything's really soft underfoot. Yeah. And that's, um, yeah, I grew up in London, so you don't really get a lot of that in London. No. And then you don't really get a lot of it in South, so you get a little bit more than you get in London, but not as much as you get here. So well, you've got the nice. lovely sea breeze down, haven't you? But there's something about, uh, especially after it's been hot for a mm. period, and then you get the rain, and then you get that lovely, whatever that smell is. I always find it almost like a rotting smell sometimes. Yeah. But there's something quite... Yeah, like wet bedding. Yeah. 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 Like nice. There's something yeah. nice about yeah. it, unlike a wet yeah, bed. Yeah, yeah. Exactly that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is nice. And it's... um, I don't know what it is about being in the woods, but it's just... I think it's because you can't see too far in front of you. Yeah. So everything's a lot calmer. Yeah. And it's... The sound doesn't travel as far. It gets swallowed up before it really gets to you. So all of the sound you're hearing is kind of directly in front of you, directly yeah, around softened, you. Yeah, know? softened, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's funny, we we, uh, we get a lot of feedback here at the school uh, and I like to think it's combined with um, how we run things and how we treat people. But we do get an awful lot of people when they're shot and they come out and they say, guys, they're really, you know, most people say, oh, it's a really nice vibe. Yeah. There's something about it, even without the shooting. Yeah. Even without my wonderful humour. Yeah. That there's something sort of magical. And I, I, I put it down to the topography, the mm. trees... Um, we, it, we, we are unique. We didn't make it unique. We were gifted with a beautiful yeah. place, you know. Um, I mean, these trees are hundreds of years old, so um, nothing, nothing, not, not our doing, but it does create a really... It still comes together, doesn't it? Yeah, sort yeah. of zen-like, yeah. zen-like sort of... I could see how you could come here for the day yeah. and leave feeling very calm and very yeah. rested. I think we'll edit that, make that a little advert. Yeah. Do it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, it's funny, actually. Uh, one of our, 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 our previous guests said that it's a therapeutic... What did he say therapeutic? He might have said a very relaxing or... Something along those lines, even within the banging, yeah. the noise. Yeah, you know, I, I think anything you do repetitively that requires you to be calm and kind of centred is mm. therapy. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. You can find it in washing the dishes, mopping the floor, you know, whatever it is that you're going to do. Mm. If you're doing it over and over again, if you're repeating that movement, then yeah. it's almost like that. You know, it's no different to the guys doing all the kind of... Yeah. ...the, the movements on the grass, you know. I've never thought of the it grass, like that, you know? actually. It's and quite that, nice. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. And shooting is one of those things, isn't it? It's one it of those is. things that requires your attention. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, you know, bad stuff happens. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
yeah, definitely. No, I've never thought of that. It's quite interesting. Sort of, I suppose the layman thinks of loud bangs, but you've got your protection on. You know, everything sort of dead and slightly sound wise. Um, bangs aren't bad, are they? It's bang. It's unexpected bangs that yes. are, are bad. If you if, if you're going to a fireworks party, a parade or party mm-hmm. or something, you know to expect the bangs. Yeah. So they're not scary. They're not out of place. It's when you're walking down the road, like minding your own business, and a bus goes over a, a loose grate. Yeah. And it goes that. And you go, and your heart starts going, and you're so like, it's the unknown, isn't it? I wish you hadn't have done that, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's in, it's interesting. But it certainly works here. And I, I, I always put it to like a sum of its parts, you know? It's a bit of everything. It's it's that repetition, it's atmosphere, it's location, it's, yeah. you know, I think most wonderful things are made up of lots of little elements, you know? It's not any one thing. It's yeah, 100%. Sort of synergy, you know? I would agree with that, yeah. Um, well, Stephen James of all call signs hello a very warm welcome to the hound hall podcast thank you very much um in the pursuit of excellence is our theme uh we've had a you know a ream of people on the on the show so far talking about their sort of endeavors and you know what 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 they've personally tried to create their goals and and some have been through business Mm. you know and through that they've become you know successful um others in just that sort of you know pursuit of of wanting to be the best they can and deliver the best possible, you know, service or product. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's 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 uh, thus far, and I'm sure will continue to be, you know, a wonderful thing because it's so diverse. Well, I, crosses... I, I watched a few of the other ones just yeah. to kind of get a feel for what I was in for, yeah. and it does, yeah, it feels like it's a, it's a big chair to to sort of sit in and and talk about things. But yeah, well, do you know uh, what? Everything I think has a has a spiritual edge you know most things happen when they're meant to happen and um you know the guests that have been here so far the task has been effortless yeah and it's been you know a wonderful almost sometimes cathartic experience um and that's why i'm really pleased you're here because uh for me um it absolutely fits um but of course it's uh you know it's a very different thing in the sense of your pursuit is actually in a nutshell and we're going, this is what we're going to talk about but is actually helping others yeah i think um you could you could boil it down to less than that and you say i think it's about keeping people alive you know yeah it's um that's the goal yeah because uh, i think everything that we do at all call signs everything that we're aiming to achieve the biggest measurement of success is more people being kept alive mm. so mm. So this is is uh, uh, you know everybody's important. Everything they do is important, but this is this is really important because without life, mm. yeah, nothing else happens, right? So I, I want to be really clear for for people that are listening. I want I really want to paint an absolutely clear picture of everything you do, why you've done it, and uh, what you want to continue doing. Mm. Um, and this is not the normal format of going back to childhood and things like that. And I'm not going to ask you that, but I, I'm just yeah. intrigued. You've been incredibly open and honest and I can see that as very brave. But then on the other hand, I can see that as actually the only way that you can create clarity is by being totally open. Yeah. Um, I just want to kick off because you mentioned to me that you, uh, so prior to joining the army, yeah. Okay, and you were in the uh, um, Prince's Princess of Princess Wales. Of Wales. That's right. Yeah. That's it. Uh, prior to joining that, you did actually suffer from some form of depression. Is that right? 
Yeah, I would. De- I'd describe um, probably everything from my teens upwards of having these uh, stages of. I don't. I, I wouldn't call it depression exactly, but I'd say depressive states. Um, I find myself withdrawing from people a lot, having kind of a, a split personality where sometimes I'd be the life and soul of the party. I'd want to be out. I'd want to be in the pubs and the clubs and doing things like that. And then other times I just wanted to be on my own. I didn't want to get out of bed. And I think it's very hard when you're a teenager to have your mental health taken seriously sometimes. Um, and I think more so now we're better at it. But I think 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was a different thing. And it was just, oh, he's just a moody teenager, you know, <laughs> which I was. I was a moody teenager. Are they all? But yeah, I think part of that was because I just didn't really feel like I'd... I had that sense of belonging where I was. Uh, and if you talked about that now, then, you know, it would be a different conversation because people would understand that that's a part of mental illness and it's something that could be worked on. It's something that could be treated with talking therapies or drugs. But back then it would have just been, you know, he's a moody teenager. Did you ever get to the bottom of understanding why you had that then? Was there any one particular Um, or was it a combination of? I still go through periods of having to go to therapy now to still try and find the answers to those questions and truly understand it. But I think I understand more about myself now and kind of what caused those things and and things now than I ever have before but it's a continuous thing it's not I don't think it is that eureka moment I don't think you wake up one day or for some people it is but I think for me I don't think I'm ever going to wake up and go oh that's it now I understand it I think it's going to be a continual thing where so there was no major trauma or or, or some negative action or anything it was nothing, just something no, that it wasn't a, came in and no not a single point of trauma nothing that kind of it's one thing, isn't it, when you're like, oh, if you're if you're young and, you're, and your father passes away or something like that, then that's a really kind of significant trauma that you can pinpoint. Yes. Or if you've had something happen to you, so like sexual abuse survivors and things like that, that's something that's happened to you that you can pinpoint, that you can say, okay, from this point on, my worldview changed. Uh, and then that can be worked on. And then you can... Where it's different when it's not so much... Um, uh, an event but more death by a thousand cuts yes. small things that happen throughout your life that make yes. you change the way you perceive yourself uh, and the world around you and I think that was my case is that I just wasn't really um, I just had a very normal childhood but there were just little things in there that throughout life just kind of built up this picture of of struggling with my own identity and I think that played a massive role in my mental health when I was younger mm. So what was it that then you know, being into into that part of your life, you know that you've you know you've you, you you've got a, you know depression, right? Yeah, and there's something going on. <clears throat> what was it then that made you join the military? So I guess it was that underlying feeling of not really feeling like I belong anywhere in particular. So it's a funny kind of thing to try and describe, but. When I was younger, I often felt like I was viewing life through a window. It wasn't really, I wasn't living it, I wasn't experiencing it in real time or part of it. It was through glass and everyone else was happy and and, and enjoying themselves and everyone else, when they were sad, they were sad and it was real. I was almost viewing these feelings and emotions outside of myself and just never really felt connected to them. And I joined the army at that time when all of the adverts were that kind of be the best, that 
yeah. you know. And I yeah. wasn't particularly... I remember those. Yeah. yeah, and it was kind of, you know... And they're similar now, you know, you've got that kind of that mindset thing, you may already have it, and there's all this idea of what they're trying to do is identify people who maybe don't feel like they fit the social norms, don't feel like being sat in a classroom or sat in an office at a desk really feels like it's for them. Because if you can get those people on board and to, to join the forces, they'll find a sense of belonging there that maybe they wouldn't in a normal job. Sure. So, yeah, those adverts were on TV. Um, seven years old, eight years old, something like that. My, um, I call her my cousin. She's not, we're not related, but we're, you know, very close family friends. Um, she joined the armed forces. I went to her pass out parade and I was in this situation where I'm just this little you know, boys are very, very kind of moldable still. And there's all these people walking in perfect formation. They've got weapons. Every move that they do is exactly the same. There's this sense that every single person here is, is one person and they're every person at the same time. Yes. And it struck a chord with me really quite deeply. And on that day, I said, this is going to be what I'm going to do. I'm going to be back here in 10 years time and this is going to be my pass out parade and from that day on anytime anyone asked me what I wanted to do um with life you know when people do they come what do you want to do when you grow up I want to join the army okay cool that's a really cool thing and the response that I got from other people to that they'd be like oh wow really that's really cool you know that's amazing what a great idea um you know you'll fit right in and people just felt like it it was a good idea as much as I thought it was a good idea, which okay. just reaffirmed it for me yeah. that this is where I'm Must supposed right. to go, you know? Yeah, yeah. it fits. Yeah. Um, so started doing more research into the different aspects of the armed forces and things like that. Settled upon the idea that I wanted to be a sniper. Yeah. Um, so from about eight or nine onwards, if anybody asked me what I wanted to do, I wouldn't say I want to be in the army, I'd say I want to be a sniper. Okay. And that was kind of, I'd fixed it in my mind at that point. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to go and be. Um, and that's I I I I'm a you know always have been a civilian. My father was a sniper in the military. Um, he died a long time ago, so I, I haven't been able to ask him the questions. But I would assume that role uh, is quite uh, <clears throat> not insular, but for someone who yeah doesn't necessarily is a team player, but doesn't necessarily want to be running around with everybody. Just likes their own space, their own yeah. a little bit in their own head. It's yeah. very precise. I, I can't quite put it into words, but there's something quite unique about that in amongst all the other roles in the in the military, as I see it. Yeah. Yeah? A hundred percent. So uh, there's two different versions that I could give you of that story, of that kind of definition. There's the one that I thought I knew at nine years old, okay. and there's the one that I know now. So when yeah. I when I was nine years old making that decision. It was an action man. <laughs> I saw it as the guy that's like, you know, crawling through the weeds, you can't see him, um, pops up, yeah. two shots down, disappears again, you never know he's there. That's who I wanted to be. I wanted to be the, the guy that came, you know, the, the round hit you before you heard the sound, pull back and then go back to kind of, you know, back to base and you'd done your job. That's what I thought it would be. That's what I wanted to be. How very different was it? Um, some elements of it are that yeah. I think there is that element that you go it's still very much more coordinated and part of the group and you know you work in pairs but you're part of a bigger team mm. um, but I don't think I was a million miles off from what I thought it was going to be mm. to what the training then was to, to, to be a sniper and it's certainly um, in my search for that sense of belonging that made me join the army in the first place never really felt like I got that sense of belonging 
when I joined. And ultimately, which will go into, uh, you've got to put that into practice, real life. Not the sniping, no. So I went to, in terms of my armed forces career, it's quite short-lived and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So in my mind, I was going to be the guy going out to places like Afghanistan, Iraq and things like that. I was going to be putting this into practice and it was going to be amazing. The reality was, still never really had that sense of belonging when I joined the forces. Um, the time when I was happiest in the forces was when I was doing the training exercises for sniping and going out and doing the crawls and, you know, firing the shots and, 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 and getting away again without being seen. Mm. That was the time when I probably felt most fulfilled. But the reality is that's probably, you know, weeks out of a, yeah. out of a five year career, Yeah, you know, so it's a very short period of time. Um, and I struggled with the, the mental health side of it again still so I think at seven years old and then again at nine telling people I want to be in the army I want to be a sniper this is what I'm going to do to then go and do it to find out it isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be but the thing that maybe was the most um, different or contrasting to what my my thoughts were that it was going to be I thought I would just fit in and I'd have this kind of brotherhood and that sense of belonging that I didn't really have when I was younger with my my peer group I was going to find. Didn't really find it in the way that I thought it was going to, which then made me feel a bit alien because to my view, everybody else that was there was really kind of pally-pally and everyone talks about, you know, brothers in arms and that kind of sense of, of community. Yeah. And I felt that in a sense in some ways, but in some ways still felt very alone. So... um it was an odd experience, and I. But, but that that feeling of you know alone was that you, or was that because you know not everybody does mould together, irrespective of the perceived hey we're all you know brothers in arms, but yeah. actually there's going to be people you don't get on with, there's going to be someone you don't gel with. Yeah, it's and part that, of being human, isn't it? I think it is part of being human, and I you're think... stuck with them for one yeah. or better, you know, to be blunt. Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because it's kind of it's um... in civilian life, you can walk the other way. Or go, you know, if you want to go and get a new job, it's a very, you know, there's my two weeks yeah, notice that's it. and you can go. You in, in the armed forces, it's there's my year's notice. <laughs> this is going to be a really awkward 12 months, yes. you know. Um, <clears throat> so I think it is a case of sometimes there's people that you just don't get along with. And I think in some cases it was it was me. I still took the window with me. I still put that pane of glass between me and the people that were there. Mm. I don't really feel like I involved myself or threw myself into the experience as much as I could have. And I think a lot of people... Um, if you talk about school and you say, do you regret anything about school? And they'll be like, oh, I wish I paid more attention. I wish I'd have mm. taken more advantage of the experience. Mm. Looking back on that, that was probably some of the easiest and the best days of my life. I wish I'd taken mm. more advantage of the opportunity that was given to I'd me. I'd said a couple of girls I wish I'd asked out. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Or, yeah, the, the chances yeah. you didn't take sort of thing, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's exactly that. And I think I had the similar experience when I left the armed forces. I wish I'd have engaged more in that. I mm. wish I'd have tried harder to, to kind of it, to be in that group and and engage with that group a little bit more. But, but it's an interesting thing though, isn't it, that um, we put these pressures on ourselves. you know, we talk about not necessarily regrets, but what could we have done differently? What could we have done better? But actually it's interesting, isn't it, that maybe that wasn't the time. Maybe that was the best. And it's yeah. easy to look at flaws, but actually flaws are generally down to a lack of confidence, a feeling of, uh, you know, just feeling on your back foot. Whereas actually... 
you know, there does seem to be a generic that people go through school, they do well, they come out, they get a job, they meet a partner, they get married. But life's not like that. No. And actually some people's door opens much later in life. Yeah. For something completely different. It's the whole thing, isn't it? Like, you, you, we kind of do life backwards because yeah. if we could start at the end, we'd do the start so different, you know? Yeah. We'd go back and we'd do things so differently. And I, mean, I, I think, think I think fulfillment's important, you know, try your best. You know, I know that's, yeah. a, you know, generic. So everybody says, try your best, you know, but, uh, you know, to take from, but then you can then, you know, very quickly decide, yeah, I've given that my best. That's not for me. That could be. Also, I think school, you know, puts a lot of pressure. I mean, you think... You know, kids in school were making choices at 16. They've been on the earth 16 years. Yeah. You know, 16 years. Mm. And quite frankly, uh, five, six of those really count because when you're sort of eight and before, it's all a bit of a blur. Yeah. So it's a short time spent to make life-changing decisions, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 100%. You know, and I don't like the way that that, oh, I wish I'd have, you know, I don't like that pressure. Um, no and it's yeah getting that decision wrong does feel like failure when reasonably how fair was it to ask that of you at that age anyway to make that decision for the rest of your life you know um but I think I set myself up for failure in that sense because I built so much of my identity as a teenager around this idea that I was going to go off and I was going to join the army that when I found that that wasn't my natural fit I did feel like a failure I felt like okay I don't really know how this has happened um, I was so sure this was what I wanted to do and I wanted to be and whilst I certainly don't ever regret the time spent in the army because I think it shaped so much of my character and what I consider my core beliefs and values now more so than any other sort of significant time period of, of my life so you know realistically I spent longer in education than I spent in the armed forces um, I've spent longer in uh, the digital uh, software space yeah. since leaving the armed forces yeah. um, and I would say that it's that period of time that has shaped most of my core beliefs and values more so than the time before it or the time after it yeah. so I don't regret that time at all I think it's been very useful to me and I'm a big fan of having the argument about whether or not um, service should be mandatory for, for some period of time or okay. not um, because I think you take things from it that actually set you up for life and actually change the way you view life Yeah. Um, which make you a, a little bit different again mm. um, and a little bit more thoughtful of the other things that are going on in the world and the things that are going on around you mm. um, but I certainly understand when we have people come to us so it's, it's funny isn't it that I've kind of will openly identify that that time doesn't really feel like it was a massive connection for me or that it was um but, but ironically you know as you said a few times there you know when you were seven eight you wanted to be a sniper which meant joining the army yeah you joined the army yeah so that's actually a massive success yeah because you've actually picked a point you know a passion what you thought was a passion or and you've done that. Oh, and if you look at it, so on if you look paper, at it from that light, you know, you 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 committed, you you did it. On paper, um, you've got so joined the army, went through training, got the best shot award in training, um, went into uh, my regiment, got onto my shooting team in a really really short period of time, mm. spent a very short period of time in a um, in a normal company, mm. and then went into uh, close observation platoon reconnaissance and sniping of you know all still 18 19 years of age Incredible. so in terms of what i wanted to do and that kind of tunnel vision focus of what i wanted to achieve mm. very short period of time to get from a to b mm. um 
and on paper very successful it was all of the other stuff didn't really feel successful at the time felt like i was um a bit of a round peg in a square hole or a square yeah. peg in a round hole i'm not really yeah. sure which way around that's Six supposed to go the other, yeah. <laughs> yeah um on paper great it was the other stuff that was going on in the background mm. that just wasn't great so things about um beforehand when i was a teenager the way i would manage my sort of mental ill health or my periods of of depression and anxiety mm. Mm. is i'd withdraw mm. can't do that in the army no. you will you'll live on top of each You're other tied in. yeah so i would do things like go out drinking or make really impulsive stupid decisions uh behave in a way that afterwards left me mortified yeah and then think actually that was really alien for me and mm. that wouldn't normally be something that i would do something i would engage in but but just something significant that would break the train of thought at the time yeah. right you thought, and it's some, like an escapism some you know, exactly like that. Escape, so, right? some new way to escape that what would normally take me to, to bed for two days and not moving mm. can't do that so what's my new way of dealing with it it's drinking too heavily it's making poor decisions it's not being where i'm supposed to be when i'm supposed to be there which again makes people annoyed and um you know lets people down yeah. which kind of fulfills that sense of you're letting people down again which lowers your self-worth which is just yeah it's just like the start a dis dissent then, isn't it a hundred percent yeah so when you so then you came out of the military and, and as you, you you we talked about before you started your own business in in digital marketing yeah digital, so yeah the first uh business so i, I decided what, what, was the, what was the just very briefly what what was the you know what was the lean towards that just just embracing the times or yeah, you know, so it's quite a juxta from, you know, sniper to... So towards the end of my uh, career, I went on a uh, promotional carder to essentially um, go up a rank. Uh, got injured on that carder, was doing very well, uh, got injured, and I just felt like that was just the final nail in the coffin for me. So this is another thing. What I've tried to do, I've tried to throw myself into something again. I've tried to achieve something. I've tried to move on to the next rung of the ladder, I've got injured and it's the sort of injury that, so my kneecap ended up on the other side of my kind of wow. leg. Um, yeah, it was, it wasn't nice. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was not nice at all. Um, and it was the sort of thing that I knew would keep kind of coming back. It wasn't the sort of thing that you can set right and then you'll never deal yes. with that again. It's the sort of thing that makes you shortens your career. Yeah. So in my mind, I'd already had like a clock put on it. I was like, there's only so far I'm going to go in this, um, at this time. Um, had a really bad period of just feeling like I didn't belong here. Like once again, I'd failed. It was just a failure on top of a failure. Um, and I just, I'd had enough. So I went home for a period of time, stayed home longer than I should have, um, got in trouble for that, came back um, and was told, right, you kind of, you're, you're back now, get yourself together. You're going to do um, you know, be punished for the fact that you just kind of took yourself off of a carder mm. um, and went home and then we'll get you back on track and you can start kind of putting your career back together again. Um, at that time, the family at home were going through a really kind of rough patch. Mm. Um, and I just, again, so I felt like I was failing at work because I'd let everybody down. I was failing at home because I'd had to go back to work and I wasn't there to support my family. But ironically... And this maybe this is the sort of smokescreen, the the, the 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 temporary blindness of depression. Yeah. From from you know not 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 just you know, bigging you up, but from a different aspect. One could say you're still pushing. You 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 you're in there. You're doing. 
you've then gone for that level change, you know, to go for, you know, the next rank up. So you're continually pushing. Yeah, I And actually to. the knee, you know, yes, that could be an obvious, hey, my knee's had it, you know, I'm not going to be able to run around and jump around. And, but all the time you're making quite clear decisions and all yeah. of those are based around driving. Oh, yes. But yet, isn't it strange yeah. that you perceive them as, at the time, you know, as, as negatives, for want of a better term. Yeah. Oh, I didn't fit in. But you're there. Oh, I've, I've failed that. But you tried to push yourself up a level. Yeah. You know, maybe that is just one of the small pinheads of, of, that make up the millions of pinheads that is the sadness of depression, of a, of a state yeah. of mental health that's just, I'm going to say my terminology, just slightly off balance. Because it actually taints everything that's wonderful yeah and it's that well the as you say the pursuit of excellence is that the downside of that is that when you don't achieve absolute excellence anything less than 100% feels like failure and I think that's kind of a theme of my life is that anything less than 100% has felt like failure but I tell you what I don't it's like the well not so much the word excellence but perfection yeah um, I, I think it always stays X amount in front of you, distance-wise. Oh, yeah. It's the horizon, As, as far yeah. as you move, it moves, yeah. yeah. So it's just an ongoing. Yeah. If anyone says they've got there and they've landed, they're lying. Yeah, or it's short-lived. Or they've taken second yeah, best, yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. I, don't, I couldn't oh. agree more with that. Um, so so, so we're now into digital marketing. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to be blunt here because, I, again, for people listening, I just want to continue, you know, as interesting as hearing about you, I want to, I you know, put these flags around it as well that have, have created where you are today. Yeah. And forgive my ignorance, a friend or two took their own lives that were in your regiment. Is, yeah. Is that after you'd left the regiment or was one whilst you were in and one after you'd left so there were a few incidences of without getting into huge detail just to paint the scene here of what what you're entertaining what what's going on you know there was certainly when i was in um evidence of other people that were maybe similar to me in the sense that they weren't happy Mm. and there were incidences of self-harm and there were a couple of incidences of suicides on the camp is there uh, just a quick segue is there good help when you're in for that i know that's a big question and keep it very simple if you want or don't answer there's more help now than there was when i was in okay there's still not as much help now as i hope there will be in 10 years time when okay. somebody else is All having right. this conversation okay it's kind of where we're at on that All right. um but yeah there were certainly not people i knew well but they're people that had taken their own life uh, in and around camp um, all the way from when I was in training, actually. So when I was in training, somebody took their own life on the camp that we were at. Um, people had self-harmed and, the, you know, there'd been incidences of obvious uh, people struggling with their mental health that just weren't really addressed at the time, to my view, for what they were. So if you fast forward, if we go past all of the digital marketing stuff, so essentially yeah. I just decided that when I was going to come out, I was going to work for myself, I was going to do my own things. Um, and that went, you know, reasonably well for, you know, a decade. And then we get up to uh, 2018. Mm. So uh, another friend, um, again, not somebody that I knew incredibly well, okay. just somebody from our battalion. Um, lots of friends in common. One of those people that you know but don't know massive amounts about. Yeah. Um, went missing. And it was a friend of mine that said, we're going up to form a search party. Do you want to come and kind of be involved? Um, really busy at work at the time. It was uh, I was in the process of um, 
selling off a couple of the assets from my old company. So okay. really, really busy time, lots yep. of stuff going on. I said, put a pin in it. If it, you know, come back to me, if it's st two days later, if we're still having this conversation, I'll come down, I'll join you guys and we'll, we'll do what we can. Okay. Um, the next day, so less than 12 hours after having this conversation late one night, the news came through that he'd taken his own life um, and that he'd been found. So it was a bit of a, um, a bit of a wake-up call for me for a couple of reasons. So the, the first one was that everything that I knew about this person to my mind's eye, so everything I could think about this person, was that they're life and soul happy. Um, really? Really jovial, one of the people that just everybody got along with, everybody liked. That's yeah. my memory. Um, so I started doing the maths in my head. I was like, so how does somebody go from being that, being literally the the epitome of popular if you yeah. like yeah. to to taking their own life and i just think how close i came and it, it's kind of a, it's almost a bit selfish to look inward at times about that but i think everybody does you kind of look inwards at yourself and i go how many times i came so close to making a similar decision but found help or yeah. or changed my mind at a very late period yeah um what was different about his story what was different about his path and I started looking at the different areas where, um, so men, by this time for a number of reasons, uh, mainly my, uh, a period of really bad mental health after my son was born premature, um, mental health was already on my radar and it was something that I knew that I wanted to be more involved in. I wanted to kind of move and shift my career towards that if I could. So and your I son already, had meningitis. Correct. Yeah. 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 Um, Wow. Yeah, it was a horrible period. Yeah. And that put mental health on the radar for me and made me go, okay, this is something I want to be more involved in. Mm. And Did you feel a sense of guilt as well that you didn't go on that search party? Massively Did so, you? yeah. Yeah, and I think... I was hoping you'd say no, in a nice way, yeah. you know, because, you know... No, massively it, so, because I remember thinking that... Um, I think there's a thing, we all have it in us, don't we, that we want to do everything that we can to help sustain a life. And if we know that somebody's in danger, yes, you know, if you watch somebody that's fallen into the river, you almost throw, dis you know, you don't worry about your own safety, you jump in after them, you want to try and help them and get them out. And, you know, yeah. and I think we all have that in us to want to, to help other people. Now, I think the thing that maybe I felt most guilty about in that situation was... I didn't really acknowledge the severity of what how that could end. So in my mind, that person was going to be found. Um, they'd have gone and had a few drinks somewhere, um, turned their phone off, just had enough, and were going to show up again um, once they'd calmed down sort of thing. So if I, who have experienced points where I've been suicidal throughout my life, fail to recognise the gravity of that situation, then no wonder other people do. No wonder people don't recognise the the flags around suicide for what they are yeah because if i can't see it and i've lived it i've been in that what chance do other people have and i think so you, that's this what is, I felt this most is a massive about. bright light moment then now isn't it this is yeah. like a well not i've got to call it a eureka moment that's the wrong term but this is like a bang all the lights have come on like a clarity yeah yeah that you can relate to a hundred percent but also you don't fully understand why yeah, and I think the thing that I did, off the back of that happening, I went away and I said, right, where are the gaps in the services that allow somebody to go from A to B? Um, and what could I do if I'd set my mind to it? I'm very sort of solution and goal-oriented. Mm. 
So if I set my mind to something, what can I do to achieve it? What can I change about this situation? And I realised that there were three sort of major areas where there was a lack of um, services. So one of them was awareness. So I didn't understand the, um, the amount of the military community that take their own life, that find that struggle with mental health, because just like I did, those that are struggling tend to do it quite quietly and internally and don't really reach out for well, help. I suppose it's perceived as a form of weakness. A hundred percent, yeah. And if you go back to those adverts, that be yeah. the best and all That's that is, not, yeah, yeah, is yeah. being the best, is being, you know, the, the guy that, um, is or the girl. edge of the knife or girl that's yeah. the edge of the knife is yeah. uh, if it's um if you're that how can you also be vulnerable and mm. how can you also find things like relationships difficult how can you struggle with um a sense of low self-worth and low self-esteem so all of this is suppressed isn't it it's just under the yeah. facade of it's kept underneath yeah. and yeah. and we just don't deal with it and i think mm. there's been a bit of a renaissance in the last five years where mm. sort of elite uh, so military mindsets and things like that are learning from the sort of sports coaches and sports therapists and things like that and learning okay. that you can be both you That's can go out and do your job yeah. um and then you can come back and you can be a different person because when you think about the military there's these periods where people go on tour and even within those tours there's periods of intense fighting and things like that but those periods are shorter than the, you know that they still make up less time than your overall time in the armed but they're forces. still massive extremes aren't they yeah you know you, you're there they're down there they're there you know that's a lot to take on board you know when you're sound let yeah. alone when you're, you know, suppressing... When you're dealing with other things know, as anxiety well, anxiety yeah. and, and things. So I, I'm just going to bring you back there because I just want I want people to have full clarity. So you you, you, you realised three main mm. sort of weak areas within how it was, you know, 2018. The first one you recognised was a, a lack of awareness. Yeah, so an awareness of just how prevalent uh, mental health as a whole, or mental ill health as a whole, was within the armed forces community, both serving and veteran communities. So what I decided to do then was really shine a light on it. So that was things like going to Parliament. It was things like canvassing local MPs. It was things like going to camps and giving mental health talks and things like that. That needed to be done. Um, the other part of that was the um, the actual physical prevention side of it. So when somebody goes missing and is believed to be at risk of self-harm or suicide, what is the immediate reaction to that? How quickly are these search parties that happened mm. um, being put together? How quickly mm. are they being organised and run? There are thousands of veterans all across the UK that are very, very sympathetic to this kind of thing. They understand what it's like to be in um, those shoes. Mm. And they're also still have that sense of brotherhood and sisterhood where they are joined and they will go to the ends of the earth for their so there's an infrastructure fellows. out there that's now out of the, the the forces but that in effect would happily jump up and go yeah i'll be there 100 percent. see that's quite a powerful thing isn't it yeah and the good Amazing. thing is this isn't just you know uh, without sounding kind of um without being rude or anything this isn't you know, um, Bob that runs the news agents at the end of the road. These people are mostly search trained. They're used to covering arduous ground. They're used to taking orders. They they know how to map read. Mm. They're tr they're essentially assets for a search party yeah. like no other. Yeah. And they're up and down the country just sat around just wishing there was more that they can do. Mm. So what we did is we put together a system where we said, this is what you can do. When somebody goes missing is believed to be at risk of self-harm or suicide, you can unite, you can
you can come together, you can create that search party, you can get the word out, you can use all of that training that teaches you why things are seen, that lets you notice things that other people maybe don't notice, mm. and you can take those skills and you can use it to prevent someone from taking their own life. Um, and that was the kind of the basis for a service that we now call Beacon, which does exactly that. Mm. Um, and it's been launched uh, over 160 times and has a 95% success rate of recovering individuals That's and bringing brilliant. them back to safety That's so um, yeah it works it was yeah. it just needed as, and again it's not um, the community was always there there was always individuals putting together search parties and going out and searching people when they went missing it just needed a formulation it needs someone to come in and go okay this is the structure this is how that's going to work this is how you report somebody missing this is how we respond as a community to go out and, and find that person so you you you've got all this magic you can start to see these bright lights the you know beacon these people who will help what, what then was the catalyst finally that made you go right i'm now going to start something i'm now going to do something i'm going to have my own arm to this yeah try and make a difference so i think it was uh, myself and my business partner very 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 early days um sitting down and the response that we got to the initial so the first essence if you like the first iteration of all call signs was a chat application so in my mind i'd gone right what can we take that kind of uses my software development background and my kind of connection to the military um kind of combine those two things, dovetail those two interests and provide something that saves lives or prevents people from feeling alone or isolated. And forgive me, was this, <clears throat> excuse me, a partner from the previous job or is this someone who's now popped up to go, let's do this together? So it's a guy that I served with when we were in the army together. Yeah. It's um, come on board and been like, absolutely, like, love what you're doing. Let, let's, let's make this happen. Let's work on it. Does this link to the funny story? Was he the chap who made the call that was told it was X time that then you managed to kick this off before we got a call back. Do you remember the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly that. Yeah, yeah, so, that. Yeah. yeah. so it was, um, we'd, like, very, very early days, um, he'd actually reached out for support himself and through a traditional sort of mental health uh, pathway. And in the time that it took us to essentially create this new service, to create all call signs... Um, Which this, was how long? So about this is about a 12-week period that this kind of all happened over. And this had become the focus. This had become the therapy almost. Helping other people, service to other people had become the, the thing to kind of push and, and, and build his kind of focus around. So when he eventually got the call back from the people that he'd reached out to before, um, they went, do you still need help? He went, no. I mean, in the time that it took you to, to call me back, I've actually created a service. That's amazing. That's that's proving more useful already. Yeah. So that's incredible. Um, and doesn't that just actually back up what a huge weakness certainly existed then? Yeah. In the utter lack of support for military yeah. serving and, and I wish I wish it was a I wish it was a military issue. I leaving. wish it was a veteran only issue. I think in this country particularly um services for mental health um are extremely lacking. Mm. They are and it's not through lack of want because I know because you know we've uh, since uh, all call signs has kind of gone from strength to strength really and we're now involved in NHS services we talk yes. to some of the other service providers we partner with them and collaborate on different things oh yeah no that, let's be clear this this exists yeah period yeah, yeah. this is not a military you no, know I know that's your a... pinpoint 
Yeah. Uh, you know, um, if we could, we'd save the world. But, you know, we've got to be realistic. And this was your, and if, you know, you natural bend. And, and just to cut in, actually, really briefly, today, um, 22nd of June today, um, this rather wet, not miserable, but damp day, is actually, if I'm right in saying... National Father's Mental Health Day. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah international. What, uh, yeah, international. Yeah, worldwide, Thank you. I Thank you. Yeah. yeah. What a nice coincidence. Yeah. Very I, apt. I think it is as well, especially considering kind of like for me personally, it was the it was my relationship or my um, my guilt around when my son was ill that essentially led me down this path to mental health. So mm. um, it's quite interesting that it's kind of fallen on this day, and I think a little bit of uh, yeah. serendipity there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, it was. I think what we struggle with at the moment is that uh, I've said before. So mental health is old and new. So there's, you know, when we talk about things like coping mechanisms and breathing techniques and meditation and things like that, that's thousands and thousands of years old. You know, mm. as long as people have been able to kind of conscientiously think about how they think and feel, there's been forms of of meditation and and mental health, yeah. um, and coping strategies and things like that. So like monks talk about. Uh, I, I just, don't know if you've. I just want to say to anybody listening that that noise is not meant to be a therapeutic sort of. That's just one of the Labradors just <laughs> yeah. having a having a little wander around. Having a little wander around. As lovely as it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so, uh, Jay Shetty is uh, a really famous motivational speaker. He used to be a monk, and he talks about one of the first things that he was ever taught was about controlling his breath. And it's one of the things that uh, children that grow up in sort of these monasteries and things are taught. The first thing they're taught is to control their breath. And when he asked why, he said, because it's the only thing that you do from the moment that you you exist yeah. to the moment that you die. Yes. Everything else is taught, learned, earned. Your breath is mm. with you from the moment you're born to the moment you die. So if you can learn to control that, you can always learn to control your feelings and emotions and the way you respond mm. to things which I think is is really, really cool. But then on the other side of that, pretty much everything that we know in terms of um, at least the medical approach to mental health is 50 to 70 years old. So yes. we've got this juxtaposition between things that we've always known about for thousands of years yeah. and things we're only really learning now as we Super understand current. how the brain chemistry works mm. and things like mm. that, you know. Mm. And um, I think one of the things that we did at All Call Signs, which is maybe... Uh, a kind of a factor in the success is taking those old world what veterans might look at as quite fluffy mm. um almost a bit too kind of um yeah and, and turning them into into plain speak into jack speak so that anybody can pick them up and yes. kind of run with them and we use the example so if you went to um you know a veteran have you ever tried 7-eleven breathing have you ever tried controlled breathing and they go, no, and that's not for me. Well, I, I suppose it's fair to say, and I'm going to generalise massively here, and obviously I'm going to assume a little because I've never been in the in the military, mm. uh, but that you are to a degree, even though there are many different facets and positions and tasks that make up the British Armed Forces, you are basically turned into you, you're toughened up. Yeah, within reason. Yeah, yeah. You're not. You're, Thick you've skinned. still got, you know, compassion. You've still got empathy. Maybe some lose that a bit. Maybe some hold on to it more. But generally, rather like the advert. Yeah. Yeah. The fighting force. So yeah. I suppose then to come out and go, hey, sit down. Let me tap yeah. the gong. Zone exactly. Out. Yeah. It's like, come on. Yeah. I'm a soldier. 
and I think less. I think less so now. I think there is. And um, I can sort of get that. Yeah, there's there's an element of that still there. That kind of yeah, we're we're supposed to be a certain way. Less so now, mm. but you know, if we're talking ten, twenty, thirty years ago, very much it was all about kind of thick skin, stoicism, just stiff upper lip, very British approach to yeah, to kind of trauma and to to adversity. Yeah. Um, so if you're speaking to somebody that served let's say like the Falklands or, you know, or Kosovo or Bosnia, those types of times when mm. some really horrific things were happening, oh, some yeah. really horrible things were being seen. If you're talking to them and saying, have you tried controlling your breathing? They're probably going to look at you through the side of their eye and be like, I'm not really sure that's for me. Um, Although that's part of, actually part of a sniper's, uh, well, I know any- that much just relating to firearms. I'm not, again, not, not, don't, I haven't been a sniper, but, you know, the breathing, the positioning, the aiming, the sort of lowering the heart rate. And that's how yeah, we pull it back erratic to them. And, yeah. you know. So okay, you've all you've already seen if you've been on a range, yeah. if you've been on anything over sort of three four hundred meters, yeah. you've already seen the benefits of controlling that's your right. breath because you use it to take that firing position and get into into position correctly. I've got into the habit. I do ten deep breaths every night. I get into bed. Yeah. Just to sort of I don't know. It just seems to have an effect. It just seems to slow. You know, well, it just does. Seems, it's, I, it's, I mean, it's. I don't know why it's, I started doing it, but it just feels quite nice. You know. It's so. <clears> um, it sounds wishy-washy. It sounds like it's, oh, okay, this is a little bit too much like meditation or like Eastern theory and around medicine and things like that. But it's not. It's very, um, it's very real. So if you think about, have, have you ever been in a fist fight? Yes. So in that period just before you get into a fist fight, yes. you have that moment where you're kind of like... You can feel the heart. I was ripping my shirt off. (laughs) (laughs) Rolling the sleeves up. You outside, where you your your heart's pumping your blood around the body faster, and you're making a decision in your mind about whether or not I'm going to hit this person or whether or not I'm going to just get out of this situation. Sure, fight or flight. Fight or flight is what they call it, or fight, pause, flight. Yeah, depending on kind of which theory of thought you you follow. Sure, but um. If you think about that moment, that is your body's natural reaction to risk, to threat. Yes. Um, so if that's your body's reaction to threat, doing the opposite is your body's way of calming down. So you can't control a lot of things that your body does. So you can't stop your heart pumping faster just no. by thinking stop pumping, you know, because no. it, it does it automatically. But you can control your breath. So when you're in that moment where you're kind of you feel like your heart's pumping fast, you're getting into that f- stage where you feel like you're under threat, just by controlling your breath, well, you I'm, can tell your body to go the other way and start saying, "Well, now it's time to calm down." I remember, you know, I think of silly things, but back in school days, you know, when we were young, we were just children, you know, mm. when two two you know kids are having a little kerfuffle and they haven't really done anything, but they're going. <sighs> Yeah, you know they haven't done anything. You yeah, think yeah. that's that fear, that yeah. you know, tent, and you think, why are you panting? Yeah, you're yeah. not trying to punch it. Yeah, but that's but that's the breathing. Because having that elevated that's sense of threat is yeah. exhausting, and it yeah. does things to your body. You know, and it's you go away from that, and you feel knackered afterwards. Yeah, but then if you think about, so the fight's over. You've been separated. You've gone these separate ways. You've gone that way. He's gone that way. You've both got a few good punches in. You you know, enough to feel good about yourself. Um, it's been resolved. Mm. You go and sit down in a chair. Um, let's use the school example again. Sure. Let's say you're sat outside the headmaster's office waiting for, for to be told off. Um, and then you, as you start to calm down, as your body starts to regulate itself again, your breath goes from <laughs> to... <sighs> yeah. 
So oh. if you start doing that yourself, because you can control your breath, yeah. then you can trick your mind into to calming down quicker than it normally would. So if that's the essence of breath work, if that's the essence of breathing mm. um, or controlled breathing, it doesn't seem all that namby-pamby anymore. It doesn't seem all that wishy-washy again. It comes very much down to very basic human well, I was going to say, it's, it's ironic, isn't it? Because even as the hard-trained soldier, you know, male or female, um, people still operate with, you know, what I call gut reaction. Yeah. You know? Um, they're in a situation. There's no answer. There's a right one and a wrong one, but you don't know which way around it is. So how do you make the decision? Mm. What is it in your mind that goes, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go that way? And do that yeah you know yes it could be sort of a, a, a controlled sort of uh, you know maybe based on something but if you've got nothing to base it on why did you make a decision that's your gut reaction that's that natural sort of yeah protection or something inside of you there's no guarantees but that's the way you go because something you know so in itself what I'm trying to say is the soldier might go oh the gong what are you bloody talking about but no, but you you do you've already got a management system. Yeah, you've already got something spiritual that yeah. hasn't been you know hollered to you by a you know high ranking officer or drilled into you by some yomp across a moor. You would just have known. You to were born do. with this. Yeah, we've all got it. Yeah, you know, you get into that situation in a place, you go, oh, hold on, something doesn't feel right. Yeah, what what are you want about? There's nothing here. Yeah, but it doesn't feel right. Yeah, and then five, ten, fifteen minutes later, something goes off or. Some, I don't know, like, you know, so that in, and, 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 and I, you know, everybody has that. I think the sad thing is that most people, I don't say don't accept it, it sounds a bit harsh, but just, just, just maybe don't use it. But everyone's got it. And I must admit, in later years, I, I, I sort of started to, I, I had those silly things where you would, I mean, really stupid things, things yeah. that are caused by yourself. You think, oh, if I don't send that letter tomorrow, mm. someone's going to ring up and go, oh, well, we sent the letter. And you go, no, no, I'll, I'll do it the next day. Yeah. And then you send it and it's late. And then someone rings you and goes, what? And you thought, I thought that. Yeah. Why didn't I do it? That's really dumb. Yeah, yeah. So it's just accepted that's a rubbish, trivial example. But, you know, it's there. But that's the basis of every kind of anxiety on the planet is this. So a baby knows to, to, um, to seek out milk and to, and to drink milk. It doesn't know how it knows how to do that. It just Ooh. knows how to do that. Because that's it's in that baby's DNA to do that. Yes. It knows to do that. That's its gut. That's its intuition to do that. And if we think about um, that intuition on, a, on another level, it's that thing when you stood at a crossroads, you're like, okay, so what, what do I do? I could, I could fight or I could run away. Mm. It's your gut that knows the right decision to make. Mm. All that stuff keeps us alive. It kept us alive when, you know, there were other predators running around the planet. It kept us alive when other cavemen were going to come and hit us over the head and steal our women. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it, it really did. It, it served its purpose, but it's when it stops serving you and starts working against you. That is the basis for basically all anxiety, which is so if you think about fear, so again, using babies, I reckon babies are only born with uh, a fear of falling and a fear of loud noises. Um, everything else is kind of learned as you as you go through life. Mm. But if you think about spiders as a perfect example, your nat your your lizard brain, if you like, your kind of the thing that you learn through thousands and thousands of years of being alive, of being kept alive, is to is to not touch the spider. 
so you don't touch the spider. And then because you didn't die because you didn't touch the spider, that reinforces in your brain yes. that not touching the spider was the right decision Protection. to make. Yeah. So if you don't touch the spider again next time you see a spider and it keeps you alive, mm. then that doubly reaffirms your belief that that spider is going to kill you because yeah. not touching it kept you alive. Yeah. And so now compare that to things like people going into a social event. Are you going to come to that party? No. Why? Because I'm scared. So I don't go to the party, and I don't feel scared, and I'm not outside my comfort zone. So mm. then my body tells me that that was the right decision to make. Okay. So the next time it comes up, I don't go to the party again, and then I don't go to the party again. And then what I learn is that being in social situations like parties makes yeah, me anxious because I feel like, and it's only through like petting the spider, going to the party, doing the things that take you outside your comfort zones that you really get to test your yeah. beliefs on what's scary, what's dangerous, and what isn't. So then... Is this now? So we're in two. Th so just so we're in 2018. You're with your partner, your business partner, for clarity. Um, all this stuff's going on. The friend, God bless him. You know, we didn't meet the search party. That's taken its its direction. You're selling off parts of a previous company or assets or whatever that is. You've got all this stuff going on. Yeah. You've started all cool signs. Yeah. You've started it because there's a call for it yeah and your you know inner feelings thoughts your your struggles everything combined this is now your your direction this is what you are meant to be doing that's that's exact that's the feeling it felt like that's where i was meant well, and to that's be. gonna that's gonna say because everything else up until this point you've made a conscious decision and you've pre-planned it yeah uh, I haven't heard you at any one point say from the age of seven, I wanted to try and uh, preserve life. Yeah. And that's it. And that's nothing. And that's, I mean, I run, you could question, that's totally different to joining the army. I know that you're not trained to just go out and yeah, kill yeah. people, but it's a, a sad fact, a, a sideline. That's what armies, you know, there is that end result. This is like the complete opposite. Yeah. To, uh, uh, definitely to a degree I think that's true so I think throughout my life I'd say one of the things that I can identify myself is there's these themes of service like wanting to help people wanting mm. to do things for others um, and I think what I got to when I was in the stages of starting up all call signs was I'd often forced myself into situations that I wasn't particularly com comfortable with or comfortable in because I thought it was the right thing to do and it's where I should be for the first time with all call signs it felt like this was just where life took me so i had yeah. all of those things behind me so the the military connection in the past the learning to build software and things like that um the kind of the personal and uh, you know examples through friends and family of of mental ill health and things like that so this is a, a this is almost like one big training program yeah exactly it? that yeah to come through to then be to go, this is signs. what it's going to be this is and what it's, gonna it's do, sad yeah. isn't it that through those different points even though i i see that as continually pushing yourself and driving yourself which in itself is a fabulous thing you saw these sort of weaknesses and, and fails which i think we can put down to as the sad fact of you know say mm. having depression or something that taints or 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 or, or you know, just slightly blurs the vision. You don't have that clarity. And actually looking back now, I bet you think, wow, 
I hope you think you shouldn't have beat, beaten yourself up because it's all come through to now create this yeah. amazing thing, which is all cool signs. I think what's interesting is that, um, so therapists will tell you that um, that need to constantly kind of seek out perfection to push mm. yourself and push, push, push mm. is called stuck in drive. So it's a, it's a coping mechanism okay. for dealing with mental ill health, which the first time I heard just went, okay, yeah, I can see that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, but when it, all of that stuff just, it felt like it accumulated and created this, it made me the person that could go, right, this is what I think needs to be done to address this issue. This is what we're going to do sort of thing. And um, within, so the first iteration of that was, or my first clear thought was, maybe if he'd have had someone to talk to, Maybe if it had someone to kind of have an open conversation with, things mm. wouldn't have got to here. Mm. So the first iteration of All Call Signs was a chat application yeah. which connected uh, veterans who wanted support with other people that had served in the military that yeah. were there to support them. So it was semi-anonymous. So you didn't have to tell the person who you were or anything like that if you didn't want to. Na names aside, who was your, wrong term might be, who was your first client? Who was that first phone call? So I remember... That made you think, wow, All Call Signs is now live. That works, yeah. I remember getting... So the way that we worked it was, I went out to my friends and uh, sort of people that I know within the military community and said, I want to start this chat network. What I want to do is get maybe 50 of you to man um, this chat network. When anybody comes through, it will get directed through to one of you and then you can pick it up and you can talk to that person and you can make some connections. Yeah. So the point where I kind of went, this works, is the very first week that that... Uh, platform went live yeah. uh, 70 people came through that platform wow. and requested support so and how much what, what was your team at that point so there were uh, originally there was about 12 of us okay that come together okay my plan in my mind was i wanted 50 people okay at this point there was about sure. 12 people live and it was so, all people so that i knew so you got 12 people ex-military yeah right? and and we did say earlier obviously mental health is 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 worldwide it's a condition it's not uh you, you, you yeah. know a sort of section to a community or a location it's a thing we know that is an illness but of course there is clearly an added bonus in in, in it being specialised because you know you, I would I would think it would be very difficult bluntly for a civilian to help uh, someone who served in the military who's you know been involved with death uh, in a military sense yeah um, for, for a civilian to relate to that it, so 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 what I'm what I'm doing is I'm saying thumbs up you know it almost needs military yeah. people. To it's peer support because yeah, yeah. essentially Thank what we what we go. were seeing or what people were telling us was that when they're asked to explain this stuff to a civilian counterpart they're being interrupted and being like okay what does that mean what's an rv what does this do what do yeah. you mean by that where was this what what sort of thing was that and they can't really get into the flow of telling their story, talking about their, you know, the things that have happened that they want to talk about because they're constantly being interrupted and don't really feel like that person is identifying with their story. So it's almost falling on, I'm trying to explain to you the gravity of something that's happened to me and at its fundamental basics, you don't really understand what happened, um, which makes it really difficult. So these 12 individuals, I think it was 12 or 13, were all ex-forces, they've all had... Uh, most most of them have had periods of, of mental ill health themselves and yes. that's the reason that they kind of um, want to be involved 
um, and they were taking these, you know, these calls in the early days. Now, in my mind, I had 50 people. So once we got the, the beta testing, if you like, done, and I knew that this worked, we put it out online and said, look, this is what we're going to make. This is what we want to achieve. This mm. is the goal. Mm. Um, and it was very much, this is all call signs. This is the chat application. The goal is to reduce... And you're part scientists. of this team, aren't you? Yeah. You're, you're on the, the ground yeah, with one, them. One of you're the not just sat there the managing 12. No, you are number 12 we, out of the... We were the first people on the yeah. phone, the first people so, answering those so, calls. Yeah. So tell me, you personally... Your first phone call, you've created it, you've got the 12 people, you've got the brand, the logo, sorry, you know, you, you've created an identity. Yeah. Your first phone call, hey, I need some help. First, what was that like? The first message that I ever got through, and I remember, I remember it clearly because of the, how similar the person was on the other end of the phone to how I was at the time when I was lowest. Okay. So it was a person struggling with um, issues around uh, their kid being unwell. Um, wow. It was a person who was in the infantry. It was a person similar age of mine. Um, and I just remember how much that rang true. And it also made uh, a mental note in my mind to think about managing the triggers of the people that are on the other end of the phone. Was it tough for you, that one? Really tough, yeah. Yeah, yeah really tough. But at the same time, I felt like I was able to to feed back and communicate about being in a similar situation mm. to that person enough that made them feel validated and made them feel like their feelings were real. And at the end of it, they did actually say, this is the first time I've had, I've told people about this before. This is the first time I've had a conversation about it. It's the first time it's felt real and that I've been able to actually get my point across and that somebody's understood. And in that moment I went, well, this works. This is what we need to do. We need to make sure that other people can do this. And I find that I find that incredible. I know therapists are trained and psychologists. I know we're not talking about psychology, but you know, people are trained to do a specific job. What I find amazing, you know, it's almost like the raped helping that that somebody's been raped, helping somebody who's just been raped. That's some, you know, that's a hideous thing. I'm yeah, putting yeah. that out of thin air. But just, you know, someone who's damaged yeah helping fix others damage i find that quite i i, I really honestly i'm not just saying it because you're sat here I, I find that quite incredible you know and i and i was sort of thinking about what you and your team do when we when we met a couple of weeks ago and i thought you know it, it could surely would be so simple for one of you guys to to, to have a breakdown sometimes just think what oh the, yeah, because no, you've got your own stuff yeah. you're building, you're fixing, you're maintaining. Yeah. And then you're actually, yeah, it's like hats off to people who, wow, all these sort of things. Nothing's more important than the other. But for me, it's like children's services, people who go out and look after, sort out children and be yeah. cared for. I mean, I, personally, I, God, it needs to be done and all the time. I couldn't do it. I'd end up wanting to. It's not for everyone. Smash people up who yeah. don't look after children. It, it, it would drive me insane. It takes a certain type of person it, it to is, want to get it into is, that life. And this is, this is the whole... Sadly, we're probably not going out to millions and millions. One day, I hope. Yeah. But this is what I wanted to try and get forward. Mm. Yeah, it's, yes, there's loads of charities. Oh, another charity. But to actually really fully understand, really understand, the, the importance of the, the, the task in hand, but actually the people that are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You know, and, and I know you've just tied in with the NHS, but you weren't tied into anything when you started. There was no pot of cash. Hey, you know, get yeah. nice premises, get some merch. No, this is like, let's it go, ground, ground up. up. Yeah. And people who are carrying weight, metaphorically, yeah. but to still want to help others. 
And that's what I think is the important one of the important parts of this that people need to realise. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, to the point where when we started, we converted, and I say converted uh, in a really loose term because mm. it was just wood panels and you know enough not to fall through the ceiling. Yeah, we converted my loft into a space where we could go and kind of have these conversations with people and 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 do this work. Yeah. And then very quickly grew into a shared office and then into our own office. And then it's kind of going from strength to strength from there. But I think the thing with um, with peer support is it's a double-edged sword in the sense that, yes, those people have lived experience, so can therefore identify with you, um, can share your story, can understand uh, the situations that you've been in and therefore respond accordingly. But equally, as you said there, it is a huge um, thing about personal triggers when you're speaking to people who are sharing and disclosing things that have happened to them and it rings true to you. Um, and that's why we have to have such a, a good support network in place for the people that are coming on board. But as you said, because we started from zero, these are all lessons that we are learning as we go. But who supports you? Uh, okay, uh, let's just say hypothetically, you know, when you started, you got 12. Who supports the 12? So this is the thing that we had to learn really yeah. quickly is that we have to rely on each other, do hot debriefs after dish, uh, you know, dicey calls and things like that yeah. and say, we need to understand. Offload. Offload. Yeah. This is what got said. This, uh, do you I need mean, anything that in else? itself, I, you know, that is what I find, uh, not to devalue what you do, but that is what I find equally, if not slightly more amazing. I think it takes, know? yeah. I, and what's interesting as well is that I don't think outside of the military community you would find a group so willing to put themselves no. through. But then maybe this is, you know, this military training that A, maybe enables the, I'll switch off from that and deal with that. You know, like yeah. being out in a war zone. Oh, it's all gone mad. My breathing's... Blah, blah, blah. No, yeah. calm. Think logically. Yeah. The ability to react... So maybe, you know, we talk about life's journey. Yeah. You imagine maybe not having been in the military, maybe just suffering from a bit of depression. Yeah. Oh, I really want to help someone. And you could almost screw yourself up. Oh, yeah, and it happens. And, you know, course, in other and elements, it, Of course it do. would, and yeah. we're only human. And you experience burnout, and there are people that are able to maybe detach themselves a little bit from their own personal experiences sure. in order to help other people. Yeah. Um, and then there are people who are still very much living it day to day. And I think an important part of our job in the early days was figuring out the difference between those two people because everybody wants to help. Um, not everybody should or is is able to offer that support at the at that given time and maybe needs to go and focus on their own journey for a little bit longer can you do you, do you think across. you have a good radar for um you know because it must be a very sort of humbling but but you know a, a sort of create such a huge sensation of pride when say someone approaches you and says you know this is great I, you know i've just come out i want to come and help you know and and you in your mind think you know, uh, it's, yeah. it's not quite right. It's nice when you get it. people coming out of the armed forces and saying, I want to keep giving back and this is what I want to do, I want to help you. That's nice. I'll tell you what's even more amazing is it's when people have been through our service mm. and have been in a point where they've been low themselves, have yeah. received support, have come out of the other side and then come back to us and say, I'm now ready to do something for you, whether or not that's be a listener, mm. whether or not that's come on and be a peer support worker, mm. whether or not that's just going to events and advocating on your behalf and letting people know about you and helping you bang the drum, whatever mm. it is, the fact that people would go through all of that 
come back the other side and then want to help us is amazing. But then if you think about those 12 people in the, in the beginning, mm. um, I wasn't sure that I was going to get 12. When I asked people for support, I was like, I don't know whether or not I'm going to get 12 people. 12 people came forward. Then I said I was going to, I wanted to get 50 people and have that as the base for when the app goes properly live. Yeah. Um, we got that 50 people straight away. I wasn't <laughs> sure if we were going to, but we got them straight away. Amazing. And then we said, let's open it up and just see how many people we get in, in a, in a period of time. I was just about to say, you've, you've got a team of 50 now. How many so people are they dealing with? So 50 volunteers probably yeah. handle between 35 and 70 conversations a week. Um, and that was back then. And then if you look at it now, those 50 became 700 before we turned off the application process. What? Because so many people wanted to come forward and support. So we're now in the position where people are ringing us up and going, um, I'm signed up to be a listener. I'm on your, I'm one of your volunteers. Um, I'm not getting many calls. And we're like, that's because there are so many now that you're only having to deal with a couple of months each. And okay. that's the ideal because what you don't want from volunteers is being rung ragged so just sorry just for clarity currently you have how many volunteers on a phone line 700 yeah 700 it's the largest i think and how it's many the calls largest. do they get in a month rough on an average oh but what each yeah three four really yeah and that's um i think that's the largest decentralized contact center but for any cause doesn't that say you know i mean that says two things to me that's amazing. I'll keep using that word. But also, wow, there's a fundamental flaw with uh, uh, the the uh, the military, because if someone's popped up as great as you are, and all of a sudden they've created a, a, an outfit which is taking nearly three thousand calls a month, mm. <laughs> I mean that shows a big gap in yeah. that shows an issue, a problem. In, it? in the services and a really yeah. sad problem in the services really yes. does yeah and, and th so we talk about that tv advert that goes yeah come on in do, 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 choppers things and i think the not, fact not, that we're not getting so freely on the way out no i think most people will tell you or the the it used to be let's go back 10 years because i think now is a different story but let's go back 10 years and say when people left the viewpoint from a lot of them was in terms of uh, my mental health at least um, I was dropped like a hot stone. And as soon as I signed off, it became the NHS's problem, not the MOD's problem. Mm. Um, I think that was a, a fairly common thing to think and feel. Nowadays, it's a little bit different. And I think the success story, the, the way that I judge the success of it, is by how often now we're being invited into camps to talk to guys and girls that are still serving, talking to those that are still in, talking, going into training groups and talking to them at that level about mental health. Because mm. what that shows is that there is a fundamental difference in the way that things were when I went through training and, and joined uh, my regiment mm. to people going through training now and joining their regiment. Now, well, if I was the MOD, I'd be embracing you and making it part of the package. Well, they said, so uh, the MOD came out a little while ago last year uh, and said that mental health is going to become one of the core things that they focus on from training onwards. So it'll be one of the things that you're regularly tested on and checked on to make sure that you understand mental health, you can recognise mental ill health in yourself and your peers mm. uh, and know what to do uh, going forward. Um, how much of that has come to fruition yet? How much of that is actually in the day-to-day 
training and things like that i'm not sure well, big things are a slow burn aren't they they are yeah. yeah and the armed forces particularly is a very slow steering ship so yeah. it takes a long time to make any change and i often say that in general on any issues around sort of social consciousness the armed forces tends to be about 30 years behind the curve is so, it really that much you know if we're talking even now they the changes that are happening for kind of lgbtq rights within the armed forces community is probably what was happening in the 80s mm. um wow you know within the in the civilian world so right. um they are getting there things are changing as you said, it's not. Uh, we're not going to click our fingers and wave a magic wand, and everything's going to be better tomorrow. And it's a sad thing because, as a as a civilian, um, you know, I'm always and, and and not because I'm I'm sort of patriotic, but it is a fact, isn't it? That as the old sort of, I think it might have been in a funny sketch show or something years ago. You know, the British armed forces are the finest fighting forces in the world. Yeah, and they are. Oh, and, there's, and it's amazing, isn't it, that the uh, you know the finest fighting force has such a huge weak spot. Yeah, and we're not the Yanks, but we are still very patriotic in this country, yeah. and we still do get behind our armed forces massively. Yeah, I think if you went to the general public um, and said we can eradicate veteran suicide um, if we add a penny to your tax every two years, they'd mm. probably go no dramas. Yeah, like get on it, yeah. do that. You know, so it's not we're not beating on a. We're not beating on closed doors. The doors are very much open, but it's that old and new thing again. It's everything we know about mental health, realistically, is 50 to 70 years old. So it's not um, a lack of interest in the solutions. It's just not knowing what the solutions are. Mm. And I think what we've been able to do at All Call Signs that perhaps wasn't really being done on a massive scale before mm. is take the feedback from the people on the ground. Say, yeah. what were your experiences? What have you kind of, what did you feel at that time? Do you feel like you were supported? If not, why not? What could you have used at that time? And we are feeding that back into the powers that be to try and get them to adjust the processes that they have in place. And while you will always have individuals that will say things like mental health, you know, it didn't exist in my day. It's all God's kind of made up. It's, all, it's the snowflake generation gone mad, that kind of thing. I'd say nine out of ten people now um, are very receptive to that message and want to be a part of the change. Oh, um, I, I don't want to sound tacky here at all, but, you know, sometimes it's nice to really just punch something home just to create a bit of reality, um, not for uh, glamorising drama, um, but just to punch home a message, a reality, to paint a picture. Yeah. You, there was a chap who, who potentially was going to come today. Who I know we're going to see another day, um, and you, you did mutter to me part of his story, um, and, and yeah. you said that he's open and yeah. Well, I mean, would you just, you know, specifically, you, you, you told me, would you relay that story? I just yeah. again, I want people listen. Mental health. Oh, he's a bit depressed. Oh, she's a bit sad. Oh, postnatal. Let's just just very briefly just give a real yeah and i think there's what, he ha what happened to him out there this is why things have to be for veteran services this is why things need to be veteran specific right and that's that, that was and yeah, yeah thank you that's what i was also going to say this is why it's you know army army yeah. air force air force navy navy because we ain't going to understand this yeah if you're thinking so if you think about let's look at the nhs and think about what their goal is right their goal is to take a service that is that they can teach to the people that work within the nhs and then they can provide that service to as many people as possible 
in order to help everybody's mental health or whatever it is. So if you go into a civvy mental health service, the things that you're dealing with in terms of trauma and trauma-related therapies and things like that are sexual abuse, their traffic accidents, their car accidents, their they're things along that line, um, you know, being involved in crime, that kind of things. Yeah. And there's a place for that. And also, like, my personal example of kind of, you know, like, um, you know, my, my child being very ill when he was born, that yeah. having a significant effect on my mental health. I would fit quite well into those services. When we're talking about combat-related trauma, you're going into a service that's designed with those people in mind, so the, the sexual abuse victims and the, the, the victims of crime, and you're saying, I was stood uh, in a sanger. My best friend was shot in the head next to me. It's a sanger. So a, 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 a guard base within a sort of Post. guarding account. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm stood in one of those. My best friend gets shot in the head next to me. Um, I essentially have to hold him together until the medics come and, and take over right. um, while still getting rounds being put down and still potentially being, you know, um, shot yeah. myself. That is a very different type of trauma. Now, and when you mean hold him together, I literally, literally hold mean him together, hold yeah. him together. Exactly that. So if you think about the guys that go out to Afghan and Iraq and uh, are involved in more of the kind of um, the kinetic tours, so you know, old school Northern Ireland and Falklands, mm. um, Iraq and Afghanistan more recently, those types of tours, these incidences aren't one in a blue moon. These are happening every day. Sometimes they're happening to the same people. Mm. So one individual that's coming forward for help could have involved in half a dozen contacts uh, in a six-month period, you know, significant life, potentially yeah. life-ending contacts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are the chances that the therapy that's been designed and developed for the, the sexual abuse victim or the victim of crime mm. is relevant, useful, um, proven on that individual yeah. is not so what we need is very specific um, clinical services that have been designed with the veteran experience in mind for, yes. for combat trauma yes. and we have that uh, in some degree within the NHS uh, there's veteran specific services so we have um, the transition intervention liaison service and the complex treatment service that are designed specifically to, to address those issues mm. um, but the, they're just not as formed as they need to be. We're no. not where they need to be to, to match those. So a lot of the slack is being picked up by third sector organisations uh, within the veteran space. Um, but as you say, it's 30 years behind. Yeah. You know, the NHS is current, it's there, it's a service and a very, very good service. Um, <clears throat> this hasn't, you know, we, we, we <laughs> sadly, we're all well aware of car accidents. Yeah. Rape. Yeah. Um, child abuse. Yeah. You know, disgusting and appalling as it is. Um, but we're all aware of that. I don't think yeah. most people would consider, uh, not not wrongly, but just because it's not in, in their, you know, in their sort of area, if you like, for want of a better term, of, you know, the military. Yeah. Because we just see those TV adverts. Yeah. So you just assume. Yeah. And they come out and they get a job and, 
you know, they sort of mellow back in. I don't think people even consider that. And also, if you're sat in an office with a guy that, you know, used to be in the army mm. and is now, you know, works in your office, yeah. you might not really be thinking about that story. You might not be thinking about that's the life that he could have led. You're thinking kind of, you know, uh, pressed uniform, marching around, that kind of thing. Yes. You're not thinking about somebody that's potentially, you know, literally almost lost their lives, has seen their friends lose their lives in yes. front of them and that kind of thing. So I think it's about everybody having more of an awareness of that. I think the closest that I've seen so far, or the closest that we've come so far, is that we're involved in this um, new NHS project which is the high intensity service and that is the collaboration so what it does is it takes the uh, clinical element of the NHS services um, and partners it with the peer element of services like ours Mm. um, and it does the best of both worlds so you have that lived experience that person who understands your journey and can guide you on your kind of your care pathway if you like Mm. and then you have the clinical clout and the backing of the NHS and it's created this kind of new service when we sat down in 2018 um, on the back of a fag packet and were asked to kind of design what we thought the right service for for veterans would be Mm. this was kind of as close as um, we've got this iteration that we've got now so yeah. it's a really good sign that things are changing it's a good sign that organizations like ours can um, influence big organizations like the nhs collaborate with them and create a service that works for the end user mm. um, and it also means that we're finally moving towards that whole world view of care which is kind of the holy grail of what we're trying to achieve which is that all elements of social care um, clinical care and everything else fall under one roof and are dealt with in, in one place and I'll kind of give you an example of why that's really important so in the uh, not not the beginning but in the very early days of all call signs we had a client who was had come to us and had said I'm really really struggling with these issues um, and we had done what we would normally do at that time which is we'd, we'd signposted that person into the NHS um, pathway that was available to him at the time um, and then they came back to us and said, thanks for, you know, passing him on to us. Um, we've got him in for some treatment. Like, Fantastic. Great. Job done, right? Brilliant. Yeah, really mm. good. Mm. We've got him in for some sessions. So he's in a session once a week. We say, well, we'll give you a call every two weeks just to see how you're getting on and to make sure you're still engaging with it. Um, about a month and a half down the line, we call him up and we say, so how are you getting on? So like, I'm... I promise you, like, I'm invested in this. I'm giving it my all. I'm going to the sessions. I'm doing what they're asking me to do. I'm just not seeing any real benefit from it. I'm, okay. it my mind isn't changing. I still feel the same way. Nothing's really working for me. Um, and the reason had been is because he was going in for sessions. And then when he was leaving those sessions, he was going back to his van that he was living in. So his... his living situation was he was living in a van washing himself in public restrooms leaving that life to go into a session for an hour at a time to talk about his mental health it made feel good but then coming straight back to his normal life and it was like so where's the disconnect why are we not why are housing not talking to clinical why are vocational stuff like getting this person into employment and things like that not being done hand in hand um and that was at the point where we went, you know what we need to do is we need a service that puts all of these things under one well, roof. Well, I was going to say, once the whole sort of the whole infrastructure of rebuilding a life. Yeah, exactly. Which is food, is a roof, is, yeah. you know, 
is all those, you know, simple things that we all it's take like, for granted yeah, on like a daily basis. pyramid of need. You're not going to yeah. have, like, real mental calm and zen no. if you're struggling day-to-day -day for basic needs, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so this new service is kind of the closest that I think we've got to date of that. It's a pathfinder, so it's still early days. Mm. Um, but I think it, it spells out good things for the future of the way that the NHS work with third sector organisations. So I, know, so I know when we first met, you. Again, I know we've just covered this, but you said there could be the scenario where Jim comes out the army and says, hey, you know, I'm struggling, I need a house. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, give us a ring in 10 days and uh, we should have something yeah. for you. Okay, what about those 10 days? Yeah, just give us a call. You've got a sleeping bag, yeah. And you're doomed. Yeah. You're in the alley in Southsea. You're on the beach, you're on the bark bench, or anywhere in Southsea, anywhere. Literally anything could happen and that's in that a, time. Isn't yeah. that a crazy thought? You it's know? a really you see, difficult system. You see yeah. that clip on ITN, you see those amazing people, you know, doing what they're doing, um, to find then that three months later, one of those could be that person under the raincoat on the... Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, and it's, it's a... a I, I don't know thing. what the exact percentage is, but it is a fair percentage of um, homeless people in this country are ex-forces. Are they really? Um, and I think part of that is for two, two reasons. Firstly, um, a lot of them are probably more comfortable being um, living in arduous situations, living in, in yeah. difficult situations, because it's not massively dissimilar to things that they might have done in the past. And part of that is that pride, that I don't want to reach out for help, I don't want to tell anyone I'm struggling. Yeah. Um, so I just try and do everything on my own. And quite a lot of times that backfires and you end up in situations that are way worse than they would be if you actually just reached out and asked for support. Uh, and on a separate note, I can actually now see why well, there's a total utter disrespect and disgust for Walter Mitty's. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a separate thing. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, <laughs> and it's uh, you know because you know on one side you can sort of laugh tongue in cheek and think, "What are you doing um, as a civilian um, for someone who's uh, been through the machine?" I don't think I'd take a very different view on that. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's another one of those things where you know we've had elements of that in our service and you kind of almost have to ask whether or not there's a a mental illness there or a, a, an underlying I think that is actually mental yeah, health issue that yeah. is a madness yeah in my, you know yeah yeah and what what that person gains from that and, yeah and things you know so um yeah. it's a it's a really difficult thing to to deal with but there are some things that you you know and i'm not pc at all i mean i really i'm not um and i've you know like lots of people have done silly things and so yeah. on yeah you know, I always remember when um, Prince Harry put the swastika on his arm. Now, ironically, that <clears throat> that logo, that emblem, yeah, was nabbed by the Germans. It's not a German. No. Yeah. It's like a Buddhist sign. Way, way, way. Yeah, it, yeah. It, ironically, it's total yeah. opposite. Yeah. Uh, Benita educated me on that. Um, but, but it's been, you know, <laughs> represented, and yeah. it does sadly stand for something else. Uh, he shouldn't have worn that. No. He definitely and I think shouldn't have worn that. That is a perfect example of squaddy humour taken out of context creates a very different feeling um, in... Yeah, but that, that's all right if you're going to an army party. Yeah. yeah. When you're coming out to civilian, that's that's not acceptable. No, and it's like this, and that's the context part, isn't it? Yeah. It's understanding when's the Black right time humor, to you're do allowed it. that. Yeah. You, des you almost, you've earned it. Almost earned it, yeah. yes. And it's the other stuff that struggles. But it's the same as... Um, you know, if you were going to a block party, mm. um, you'd quite commonly like see someone dressed up as a terrorist or something like that. That would be a you know a typical costume party. Mm. Um, imagine if somebody who's like ex armed forces goes to his new work party 
dressed as a terrorist, you know, and, the, yeah. and somebody got hold of that, they'd, they'd run with that all day, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is all about kind of context and stuff like that with things like that. I'm, I'm at this tricky point now where um, I'm looking at Jack and I'm thinking time is running away. And I, I'm, I'm, I really want to, I, I don't know, I've never done this before. I'm almost going to look at Jack and, and ask a question. I wanted to get talk about um, uh, sort of meditation, mm. spiritual side of things. And I know that um, you just just to briskly skip over the top with no detail, your sort of your main self management, yeah, you not all call signs yeah. you and you and yours, yeah, is through meditation, yeah, which it, yeah, um, which I, is a beautiful thing, something I not buy into as such. I totally. I totally believe it. It works. I do yeah. similar things. So I, I don't suffer mentally on this one. I'm not aware of it. Um, but, you know, like the breathing, the meditation, yeah. the spiritual. Um, by default, there is a lovely link here. Um, so Hound Hall Shooting School is based on the Cowdery Estate. Yeah. And the Cowdery Estate, amongst all its wonderful things that it does, has a very large part sort of mindful well-being um, meditation classes, yoga, you yeah. know, diet, breathing. Um, Lady Cowdery is, a, you know, a great ambassador for all those things. Um, so it not only fitted on that front, but equally as an interesting, you know, conversation in its own right. But I'm sort of thinking that rather than us sort of skip on that, yeah, that and I get told off for saying this, but I actually mean it, that we could do another podcast yeah. on that. And just do that, yeah, yeah. just focus on because those it, things, yeah. you know, by default, it, 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 it will, you know, link to this. Yeah. But it may just give someone just the ability to stop for five minutes each day. Yeah. And just re-earth. And that's the thing, I you think... Know? And, and I, that's not to devalue anything we've talked about today, yeah. but it, it's just spreading more love to maybe different areas that say something like all call signs or mental health set up are not required. Yeah. It's just something slightly oh, yeah. lighter, if yeah? You, but very valid, I feel. When we talk about kind of services being overrun, mm. um, that's I think part of that is because people are... Um, or certain kinds of people are inclined to wait until their mental health is so bad before they reach out for help yeah. that the pool of possible services that could be useful to you when you're nine out of 10 mm. is so much smaller than when you're two or three out of 10. Mm. If you can recognize the signs of, of mental ill health earlier and start to put mechanisms in place. And I wouldn't say necessarily I'm a, meditation is where I found my kind of support, but definite mindfulness yeah. and just being more aware of what's going on around me and almost finding the meditation in small things. So we spoke before about, yeah. um, I remember about the pages of the book. The, yeah. Oh, just the, the way that you turn the pages of the book, the way that you read a book, the yeah. way that you running a bath, sitting in a bath, breathing in a bath, mm. all of those things are small, really, um, you could overlook them. You could have a bath and not think about how you're, how you feel in the water, how weightlessness feels without how your breath affects the ripple of the water. Mm. You could, you could have a bath and not notice all of those things. But I'd like, I'd also like to dig in. And this is like a separate study really, um, of how you do that. Or not only, we sort of know why, but how, which is what I think is part of your magic is the fact that rather like your whole organization, 
again my terminology you've got people who are carrying excess weight yeah but they're still willing and are helping others remove their excess yeah. weight and that's what I think is amazing this is not just some guy or girl who's all sorted and relaxed and thinks oh yeah man I'm going to just tune out for five yeah. and drink my green tea you know this is someone who's got pressures they need to do it and they're doing it so I think yeah. that gives it you know, that gives I, it the kudos, the weight, and I think that would be a, a, a great thing to, to tell everyone about. And if it's the um, if it's the part where at the end of, you know, the magician's secrets where they kind of reveal how the <laughs> trick is done, the the act of helping somebody else yeah. is as much for the person doing the helping as it is for the person being helped. Yes. So the thing that our listeners get, the things that our volunteers get, the things that our peer support workers get from helping others, even when they're struggling with things themselves, mm is that sense of service again. It's that sense of camaraderie in the face of adversity that they haven't really felt or um, identified with since leaving the armed forces. They get that back again and they're able to say, I made a difference. So are you telling me then that that, that uh, even though I didn't agree with what you saw as failings back in those different days, those different times and different days, are you saying that what you do now is actually not only the service itself, providing the service itself, but maybe is filling gaps yeah. from your past. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely. is that what drives you? I think the thing that What the, happens when all those gaps get filled? Yeah. It's a much better pathway, isn't it? And yeah. it's um yeah. Do you think that will 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 kill the fight in you or do you think it will just make you feel even stronger and keep delivering I think it'll make me feel even stronger I think it'll push me on to whatever the next fight is and I'm always kind of I think that your your next kind of big um, drive in life always comes out of your periphery I think it's something yeah. that just kind of comes to you because it's there um, for me this is if I can get to a point where people are always going to take their own life people are always going to choose to end their own life mm. to say that suicide is prevented is preventable is not to say that every suicide is preventable no. you just have to believe that one person can change their mind and yeah. choose not to die yeah. um, in that moment i would like to get to a stage where the number of veterans taking their own lives in any given year is halved um, and I will see that as a real indicator that what we're doing and what other people in the space are doing to, to solve this problem is working. Um, and then I'll most likely look at whatever the next problem is. I think that mental health as a whole is a really, really big issue in this country. And yeah. I'd love to be able to take what we've applied at All Call Signs, what we've learned from All Call Signs, yeah. into a wider scale. Well, do you know what? That leads me quite nicely to my next question, which was, um, in effect, in, in Hound Hall, when we're teaching people, uh, one of my silly little sayings is, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Yeah. It's usually the most relevant, so ask away. Um, and I'm now putting myself in that position. Um, we've got a chap called Max who's going to be fiddling with algorithms, and I hope this podcast goes out to as many people as is possible, right? But I'm assuming it might not initially hit military people or ex-military people, okay? So what happens if someone's listening and they know someone, a family member, a friend, uh, you know, someone who's just or was in the military or just left, and they think that there's a problem could they ring you yeah and ask you yeah you know, i'm sorry i'm nothing i'm a civilian i've never been in the military but my my dad my mum my cousin my sister brother a friend of a friend da, 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 da. 
you know, yeah. I'd say one in five calls that we get is from a friend or family member is that right? that's concerned. Yeah, that goes, I've got this person, this is what they're going through, yeah. what can I do to help? Yeah. And we are very much along the lines of, tell us a little bit more about the person, let's try and figure out what it is that they're going through, what where they're getting stuck, and let's give them some advice into what to do. But more importantly, give them some advice on if your fears escalate, if your worries escalate, if this turns into something else, these are the things to look for. If you notice any of these things, Mm. then get onto the emergency services and and make sure that that person is is taken and is kept safe. Because so many people think that um, suicide is different in terms of how you reach out for help in the moment. So if you think somebody's gone missing and is at risk of self-harm or suicide... We have people ring us up and go, do you think I should call the police? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The emergency services are there to prevent loss of life, even from somebody themselves. So if you believe that that person's gone to end their life, make the call. Make the call. Make the call before you call us. And we've had it from, when we've put that advice out on our kind of social media sites and things like that, we've had ambulance drivers, we've had, uh, you know, medics, police officers, all of those kind of people come through and comment and say, we would rather attend a hundred calls where only one of them is a genuine threat to life than attend none and miss that one person, you know? So make the call. They will decide on what the best action is off of the information that you give them, but no one's expecting you to be qualified enough to understand whether or not that person is really going to end their life or not. Make the call. Let Let the experts figure that out. Brilliant. That's fabulous. And our, um, I was talking to our dear shared friend the other day. Well, I won't mention his name just because I, I didn't ask his permission. So just for privacy. But um, I said to him, oh, all cool signs. I said, yeah, I love the brass. Brilliant. He got the air, the sea and the land. And he went, no, it's not that. <laughs> okay. Well, there's my stupid question. And he then shared with me that actually it's a generic uh, radio a signal that that it encapsulates everybody. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so if someone's on a boat, someone's in a chopper, someone's if it in a comes tank, over the radio, all cool signs. Everyone's it means everyone's everyone's paying on it. All cool signs, yeah. which is so fitting because this is for everybody. In yeah, the, uh, in the military. And the logo is that, isn't it? It's the air, land, and sea. That's it's right. The ACS. That's it. It's this is for everybody. So there's that's lots right. of the arm for the army service, the the RAF service, the navy service. That's it. This is everybody working together to pay attention. I to, like logos, and I just thought it was really cool. And I just assumed all cool signs, all three, you know. Duh. But anyway, that's yeah, yeah. just a little bit of education. So for anyone who is listening. Tell me how they get hold of you. Where are you on internet? Where are you? What's your things? Tell me how people can reach out. Search all call signs and you'll find us one way or another. If you are on Facebook or Instagram, again, just search all call signs and you'll find us. Um, all of the information, our website, telephone number, all of the, you know, how to contact us, our referral form and everything else like that is at allcallsigns.org. Um, there is, you know, the referral form. You can do it on behalf of someone. So if you sat with someone and you're worried about it, you can fill it out on their behalf. Um, as soon as somebody comes through to us, we'll endeavour to get back to that person within 48 hours. Amazing. Um, and the pathway kind of length is way shorter than you would experience through other organisations because we have those partnerships with the other organisations. So if you're thinking, I don't know whether or not they need to speak to this person, this person or this person, yeah. if you speak to us, we'll connect all of those dots for you. Okay. So if there's, if you do make one call... Um, make it to all call signs unless of course as previously mentioned that person's at immediate risk of self-harm or suicide then okay. call the police emergency yeah um you're a non-profit organization non-profit yeah yeah everything so goes back always, into 
always always uh, up for entertaining you know things that can raise awareness raise money funds awareness yeah. anything the biggest thing that people do and it's uh, I love it is people message us and they'll be like we need 10 t-shirts because we're going on this event and we want to just kind of let people know who you are yeah. and I see that we talked about the logo before yeah. I see that logo now as an identifier between two people that I'm somebody that you can talk to about your mental health yes and we see it at events, you know, there'll be two people wearing it or I'll be wearing mine and then somebody right. will notice it and they'll yeah. kind of nod and go, you know, it's that brilliant. guy, I can talk to him. Well, do, do you know what? I'm, um, I think it is utterly amazing. I think you're incredible. Um, Thank you. Great story. Um, amazing uh, service. Um, totally kind, mindful, um, you know, giving. Um I mean, I, I just think it's it's a message for all, you know, wake up, um, be nice. You yeah. Know? Even if it's just every now and again, add that little bit of value. I know we're planning to do a nice charity thing together. And for any of our shooty listeners, uh, we'll be advertising that because uh, we've got a fun day coming yeah, up in the near future. Cool. Uh, to and raise I think awareness and to that point as well about suicide prevention and things, suicide prevention doesn't have to be um, pulling people off of the train tracks. No, no. Suicide prevention starts with asking somebody how their day's been. It starts by being kind in a moment when you could be not kind. Yeah. Um, it's everything from that point where you wonder about, a, you know, whether or not a person's okay, all the way up to that other stuff like well, going out on the I, ground. Again, I think this is the 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 you know the the, the sad fact that most people because it's a negative, because it's very not, not very nice, we don't want to think about it. And I think most people in their mind, when they initially think of these things, they just think of that flash of the end result. Yeah. Bang! You know, or yeah. like you say, on the tracks, or woof, yeah. car going off a beachy head. Yeah. You know, but actually there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a big journey, obviously, uh, before that. Yeah. And, and hopefully that's where you guys can get on. Yeah. So actually it doesn't get to its destination. Yeah. But the, that's why awareness needs to be created. That's why people need to really fully understand. That's why I pressed on you for a couple of points earlier. Just to, just to really... Because most people don't think about no. it. No. Because if you're all right and you're happy... Yeah. You know. And all of the worst endings that we hear about in terms of people taking their own life start with a person who is having more bad days than they are good. Yeah. So if you can catch it at that point... Yeah. Then you make a massive, yeah. Then yeah. you make a massive difference to what the end of that that pathway looks like. Yeah, fabulous. And long may it, long may it continue. I your good work. Thank you very much, Stephen James, otherwise known as SJ, SJ of yeah. All Cool Signs. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for having um, me. It's an been inspiration, wonderful. uplifting, utter wonder. Um, I hope we can add some value in the future. I hope even this conversation adds value. I hope some people reach out, talk, connect. Um, like we say, even if it helped one person, that would be an amazing thing for a couple of hours chit chat. So, uh, from all of us at the Hound Hall Podcast, thank you very much indeed. Thank you for and having God bless. me. Pleasure. Cheers. Thank you.